Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Welcome to Late Lunch Playback this first full week of July. We begin with Lord Henry Mount Charles, who's had tough times personally and professionally recently. So straight to the point with Henry, would there be a Slane concert next year, 2021? If we have a vaccine, well then, showtime. And I don't like to remain idle, and I have been quietly sort of working in the background because, of course, next year, if we can do it, is the 40th anniversary of the first slain in 1981. So um, there is even the semblance of a lineup falling semblance of it into place. And, of course, you know, it's in not the lap of the gods, but the lap of the scientists. And so, uh, yeah, this has not been easy. And, I mean, one of the sort of really difficult things for us is that we've had to um, make a lot of people redundant. Um, uh, The castle bar and restaurant, um, you know, we were very dependent, obviously, on overseas visitors. Uh, That model doesn't work. It's also really difficult uh, to deal with the covid uh, restrictions in an 18th, 19th century building. It, it's It's been heartbreaking. But I do try and remain positive uh, in my isolation because the only excursions I make at the moment are uh, trips to and from St. James's Hospital, which, thank God, recently haven't been too frequent. Um and um, you know, it also has given us as a family uh, time to pause and reflect um, because not, there's a normal hurly-burly uh, isn't going on. And, for example, my um, uh, eldest, Alexander, he was now very much a grown man with his own family, um, we have decided that um, 
it might be a good idea if um, he moves into the castle, which um, he, he will. Of course, it was his home when he was a kid, and uh, nothing would give me more pleasure than to see the pitter-patter of, uh, of my grandchildren's feet around the building. Because, yes, it is a business, but it is a business as well as a family home. And I think that's what makes Slane Castle really unusual. There are not an awful lot of buildings of its age and type uh, still in the hands of the original families uh, that built them. And uh, we try to walk a thin line between, uh, you know, the, the family interest, as it were, and home and history and emotion uh, and try and find a way uh, to um, take it through into the future. Mm. And now, of course, we, 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 we've had to tear up the rule book. I mean, I, I am very glad, <clears throat> although I would admit it has impacted our sales, you know, that we started uh, the whiskey project when we did, um, because it is still selling, Yes. And um, obviously, um, emerging brands in the states have been have been hit by by this. You only have to uh, look at CNN every night to see the awful uptick in cases um, from places like. Florida and Texas. It yeah. is simply heartbreaking. But the whiskey continues, of course, because whiskey needs time, as we know, and time is on your side with the uh, with, with I, the spirit. I hope so. As long, <laughs> as, long as my health holds up, yes, um, it is definitely. I mean, the origin of of the whiskey in my head was a dear Phil Lynott whiskey in the jar, and the many times. Um, I personally played it in the old days in the nightclub <laughs> in the castle. <laughs> oh, lovely link there. It really is. But Point look, I, I was going to say to you, look, you're very honest in what you say. This has been painful for you as a family. You've had to close. You've had to lose good friends who are working for you. But you've also adjusted as well, Henry, because you, you had a drive-in movie recently and it was really successful. This is something you're going to continue with? Absolutely it is. And, um, I, you know, I remember driving movies um, when I was a student at Harvard. And so, for example, we have um, this Saturday, we have Mary Poppins at three o'clock. We have Dirty Dancing at six o'clock and we have The Joker at, at nine. And of course, the great thing about a drive-in cinema is you're in your own vehicle, as it were, um, hopefully protected from the awful virus, and you can have a, an enjoyable and relaxing evening. And it, 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 it's a brilliant idea, and, and um, uh, I think my lady wife um, was the origin of that thought. And then we are also uh, opening the castle for tours. Um, you're going to have to book online if you want to... Um, Come and that will be from the 17th um, of July, um, Friday to Sunday, and um, or a booking by our website, which is www.slangcastle.ie. Uh, so it's toe in the water, yeah. um, but it you know we're not going to take this 
Einstein done. I, I am optimistic that there will be a vaccine. Um, but yes, the carnage out there, both in the awful situations uh, relating to people who have died and people who've lost loved ones and um, uh, the economic carnage, and the, particularly about the economic carnage, is um, that this impacts on young people. And I mean, a lot of our employees were young and, um, you know, I, I, you know, worry and I, I hear various stories about plans, individual plans that they're making, because, as you said, I mean, they, these people um, became friends. Or, and, yeah. You know, I used to dine frequently in the restaurant and uh, enjoyed it thoroughly. And um, it was a form of engagement that I've always valued. Oh, that's lovely to hear. And of course, in the wider context of the world, there are many other issues as well. Look, we've covered loads there. And just in summing up, the changing of the guard at the castle, slain business, the castle business fighting back and vibrant and doing their very best. Uh, the whiskey is still in the, in the stills there, working away as we heard. The whiskey is in the jar and out of the jar. <laughs> it certainly is. And you are doing so well. It's lovely to hear from you. Well, listen, Henry, you better turn up your radio because we're going to rock out today with your friend Phil and the whiskey. Talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, Jerry. Good on you, Henry. In every sense, keep on rocking in the free world. They've only gone and won. Yes, McKevitt King Architects, who we spoke to recently, have won a prestigious RIAI award for their wonderful Tooting Meadows development in Drogheda. And no wonder Adrian King was over the moon. Uh, it's uh, amazing, so it is. Uh, I'm absolutely thrilled, you know. And uh, even before we get into it, Jerry, I'd just love to say thanks so much to everybody who voted. You know, the whole community, all the clubs and organisations, the businesses and all our families and friends, they really came out uh, of the woodwork and voted for us. You know, um, particular t- thanks to the North and East Housing Association. They were given the site by Loud County Council to develop. And uh, it's just, it's a fantastic achievement for, 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 for the office and for the town today. Um, uh, um, we're just thrilled with, with the news. I was driving by it subsequent to our conversation last week. And I can tell you that... Uh, I looked at it again. I slowed down after we had that chat and I had a good look at it. I really did. I stopped across and I looked in and looked at the design. And again, it just said to me, this is brilliant on such. And you were talking about this last week. You had such a small site. Remind listeners again who might have missed you last week what you've placed on a half an acre, was it? That's right, yeah, half an acre site. And um, I suppose there's a, there's a drive towards uh, land efficiency and sustainability, you know, um, in terms of how we develop our sites, particular town centre sites. So we managed to get 15 dwellings on a half an acre site. Um, and, and I suppose the thing is, it was done in a very peop- people-friendly way, in a sensitive way to the place. Um, so So... It was a very simple idea we had. It was just to split the site up into two so that everybody on Scarlet Street could enjoy the spectacular views and the beautiful experience, the beautiful trees um, on Siena Convent. And I'd say, Jerry, when you went down there uh, after I was talking to you last, maybe that just a little bit of mm-hmm. insight 
kind of helps you to look at something again, you know, and you get that little bit more out of it, you know. It certainly did. You're spot on. And that was something that when I looked at it before and when it was being built, I didn't see. But you having told me, I wanted to stop and take that in for myself. And it is absolutely beautiful. And I'll say to you again, you know what you've done, which I think is magnificent. You have, uh, you know, not built or created something that is out of place or gaudy. Do you know what I'm saying to you? The design yeah. is, it just that's, suits. That's very, it's very interesting, you know, because um, I suppose there's a number of ways into a design of a project, you know, and for us, the uh, particular thing that was interesting on this site was the urban context and the and the historical context, you know, so um, the fire station building was a prominent building on a prominent site and I suppose we just replaced one building with another um, much better kind of quality, but very similar kind of presence, you know. And just by that simple thing, um, which myself, Turlock and James had this idea about opening up the site just to uh, the parkland set. And that, that, it's just a very simple, simple idea. Um Executed well. Mm, yeah, absolutely. What does the award mean to you? You know, you're a well-recognised yeah. business, and you're a new partner in there as well. What does this mean to you guys? It's a really proud day for the office. Um, I suppose the the RAI awards are. We we were up against some very prestigious pro- projects and architectural practices. You know, um, for us to even be on the shortlist was a, an incredible achievement. So to win. Has is a dream come true? Do you know, we we I suppose over the years, like Turlock set up the business in the seventies. It's a family-run business, and James there has been at the helm for the last number of years, and we've just been making a really good contribution to the built environment of the northeast for the last number of years. And I suppose to have this recognition and to be given a vote of confidence by the public um, through the RAI. It's just, it's incredible for, for for us as a practice. We're really, really, um, to some degree, o- overwhelmed, but just so appreciative to everybody who got behind us, who voted, and who, who the, the project obviously ap- appealed to people, and it's fantastic um, that, that we are where we are today. Before we finish up, I want to say this to you. You're part of, of, of a new business. Uh, you know, you're new into, let me say, the McKevitt business that, as you say, has been there for years. And yeah. you're pursuing this uh, wonderful career of yours that I'd say has a lot to deliver, may I say, over the years ahead. But I want to remind listeners, King, the name King, and Mel in Drogheda, and a cafe there, King's Cafe, you are one of the King's. I am, I am indeed. I'm the second youngest of the kings. You know, there were se- seven children, um, and mum and dad ha- had us all in there working uh, hard from a very young age. It was, it was great, great experience. You know, we we loved it. Um, the customers and the whole camaraderie there. I suppose what we all got out from it, as in my siblings, it was this work ethic um, and uh, very community based kind of business and it's fantastic now to have moved from one family business into another family business I suppose you know mm-hmm. and um, yeah it's, a, it's, it's, it's worked things have worked out very well um, like for me studying architecture I suppose I had a, an ambition um, to do something really good and it's really um, brilliant that the project has been recognised nationally because I suppose as an architect you want to really try and do your best for um, for your projects for your clients and to have a project that is social housing um, in the community 
actually in our hometown. For me, it's a wonderful achievement um, to have created something there um, in, in, in our hometown and to be recognised at this level is just fantastic. You and see- I just have to say thank you so much to everybody who has voted. <laughs> Thanks so much to, to the team because it is a testament to the team that yeah. we have in the office. McKevin King Architects, we have a fantastic team. If you want to see more about the project, check, go on to the website www.mckevitking.ie and you can see photographs and that sort of thing. There's a video footage of, of the project. Mm. Just to come back, you see, that is in your DNA from your family business and that's why I bring it into the conversation. And it was a legendary place for people. The food was marvellous. There was plenty of it. It was a real truck stop. People came there from everywhere to eat and enjoy their meals in Kings and Mel. The, finally, just before we finish, tell the little story of our own Frank Winters and the yeah. ad, and, and, and your mother. It's gas, you know, um, a, good, a good 25 years ago. Um, uh, my mum my, my and dad would have been uh, coming up with kind of ads and phrases and things like this for the radio uh, at big occasions in the year, like maybe it was confirmations or holy communions and this type of thing, you know. But Frank Winters said to my mum and dad, Michael and Anne, why don't you have this phrase? It'd be really catchy. And Come to King's Cafe for all your family occasions where if the king doesn't serve you, the queen will. (laughs) (laughs) And that summed up your mammy because, you know, she was that type of person. Absolutely brilliant, you know. And she still is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I say hello to her today and and wish her well. But, you know, uh, timeless lines like that are really timeless when it comes to advertising. Oh, Frank has the Frank has the quips, that's for sure. He he's the man that knows how to deliver the ad on the radio. Listen again, Adrian, a pleasure uh, talking to you today in these wonderful circumstances. Congratulations again to everybody at McKevitt King Architects. They're there on my old um Almer Mater on the North Road in Drahada. Well done to you all, Adrian. Jerry, thanks so much and thanks again for the support. We really appreciate it. Yes, a good news story all round. Geraldine Maguire joined me on Thursday to highlight a taxing matter. Well, I'll tell you, my husband is 70, nearly 75 years of age. And he went, uh, his tax renewal was the 1st of April. And he went, uh, you know, he was in, he was cocooning because of the virus. So uh, he didn't uh, pay his tax. And he went to pay his tax there the other day and he was told he would have to pay he was paying six months forward but he they told him that he would have to pay for the months that the that he he was cocooning three months the arrears uh, uh, the arrears which is a bit ridiculous you know like like the banks gave uh, relief to, to to their customers and the insurance companies gave a little bit back as well but senior citizens are absolutely they're, they're ripped off. Like I think it's very unfair. Like they were the people that had to cocoon. They were told they could. The government warned that. Like they they were told to stay at home. Yes, and I I I I, 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 I see. Yeah, I see what you get, and I I absolutely think you have a very valid point to make on this one. So your husband had to stay at home. He couldn't go out. The car wasn't on the road. April, May, or June. The full three months. It never left your your house. It never did. No. Off the road it was. And yeah. uh, he feels now that he's gone down to pay his tax as he wants to do to get back and do a wee bit of driving now. But the uh, the the reply is pay up for April, May and June and what you're going to give us now. This is what the, you're being demanded of. Yes, he even went to the guards barracks and spoke to a guard there 
and the guards didn't want to know well that it wasn't their job like it's the tax office yeah now the t- I know the people in the tax office are doing their job but I think the government has to step in here and do something for the elderly people of this country that made the country in the first place hmm Oh no, there's lots of people listening today who wouldn't disagree with you. And I'm sure this is an issue for many people listening as well and they're going to come across it as they go to uh, re-tax or pay their tax uh, for the year ahead on their cars. I know um, in the past, if you were off the road, you did go to the barracks and you got a form signed. I'm sure that was the procedure, yeah? That's right, but you can't do that anymore. At all? They don't do, no, they don't do that anymore. That's gone completely. That's gone. As far as I'm aware of, that's gone. Really? Now that's news my to husband, me. My husband was in the barracks twice. Yeah. He went to see them twice. Mm. Like, you know, like, it, 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 it's ridiculous. I think it's it is. Why, yeah. why would you pay for something that you hadn't been using? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and as you say, you got a diktat from government to say, stay at home, don't go out anywhere, cocoon. So it's quite obvious you're not going to be driving your car. I think you have a real good case here. Yeah, like, would you pay for your gas during the summer if you weren't using it? No, you wouldn't. <laughs> you know, like, it's bloody well crazy. <laughs> I'm not surprised you're animated about I, this. I'm really annoyed about it, I really am. Mm, you are. Well, let me tell you that our Louise has put a question in from us here in LMFM Radio to the department, right? The department itself. We've raised your query with them and we're awaiting a reply. So let's see what they come back with. Well, Jerry, I would really like to thank you because you are the only one that we can speak to that can air our views. And know Michael Reid. And Michael Reid, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. And I, have to, I want to say thank you and to your station. It, it's brilliant. I love it. Ah, listen, thanks for the lovely words today. But look, we're, um, only, we're only here to highlight, it, and, and that is an injustice in my book. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's no, this is black and white. Now, to me, to me, I'm the judge here. I'm on the bench. I have the wig on. Just imagine what I'd be like. But I would rule, I'm just saying this, I, I would rule in your favour. I would, I would have to say you were put off the road compulsorily for three months. You didn't use your car. You're due a credit. And you're right. Insurance. I got the little uh, allowance on my private health insurance. We got that back. You know what I mean as well. Yes. Uh, for yes, the time, exactly. I, I I've received that. I have. I have to say. Um, yes. But, uh, it, and rightly, and rightly so. You know, like fair, fair. All right. Uh, now here's somebody. Here's a listener saying, um, "I'm not sure that's necessarily true, Jerry, about uh, being off the road, being gone. You just have to put it off the road in advance, not retrospectively like before." Now, listen. This is an interesting point. There was a time, and I had to do it once. I had to go after the event. I was hospitalised and off the road, and I had to get an allowance. I think it was three months as well, or maybe six months, and I was allowed. That was retrospectively. I didn't do it beforehand. This listener is saying to us, and we'll check it out, that you're supposed to do it in uh, advance of saying I'm off. But listen, this was a diktat to everybody across the country. You know what I mean? It just wasn't you. That, well, that's right. No, yeah. it wasn't just us. Yeah, no. and you know, you what? were you were told cocoon, and uh, I just wonder now. I, I'm I'm going to investigate this even a little more because can you do it online? I just wonder. Are you an online person? Do you use computers? Do no, you, no, you see? I don't. There you go no. again. There you go. And a lot of your ilk and generation wouldn't be people because you're people who like to go in and do your transactions face to face. The only line I have is the clothesline, Jerry. <laughs> and that's the way it's stained, let me tell you. <laughs> Do you know something? 
I wish I was like you. I have too many blinking lines to deal with. You are. That's really, really humorous. It really is. Well done to you. That's a good punchline there, I have to say. But but it is a point well made, is that there are people who are not online, even if you could do it online when you're cocooning. And I say the point, if you're not online and you're not into this and you must cocoon, how the hell can you do it? You can't. That's right. It's simple as. It's simple as that. Well, listen, I think you've highlighted something really interesting to us today. And I want to hear from listeners. Anybody else uh, on the same page as Geraldine this afternoon, feeling the same, your car three months off the road, you've had to cocoon and now been asked to pay the full amount. If you have uh, something to add, we'd love to hear from you on late lunch. 1850-715-958. You can call in on that number. Or you can message me now, 086-1800-658. On this one, Geraldine Maguire and your husband, I'm in your corner. Thank you. Is there any leeway for others who've been off the road? We're following up. Watch this space. Lorcan O'Toole has played a major part in re-establishing a breeding golden eagle population in Donegal. I was in touch with Lorcan, who spoke about wildlife crime and a new app designed to assist agencies in tracking down criminals. But first, he reflects here on the success of his eagle project. They are breeding, Jerry. We're having uh, wild-bred six now uh, fledged in Donegal. We've had 20 birds come from Donegal nests in the wild over since what, 2017. Uh, are they established? We wouldn't be confident yet. We're hopeful, but we don't think we could say we have a viable population. Uh, we have maybe one to three chicks per year. We probably need to see four or five chicks breeding per year. All our breeding has been in Donegal. We'd uh, like to see breeding in Sligo and Leitrim and maybe in Tyrone and Antrim and then spread further south maybe into Mayo and Galway. So we're getting there but we've still a bit of work to do, Jay. And do you reckon that spread will then happen naturally, the birds themselves doing this for you or will you have to intervene as you have in Donegal to reintroduce them? We have debated whether we should get in more birds. Uh, we, we lost some birds to poisoning and wildlife crime. Uh, and also maybe we feel the condition of the mountains might change with different um, land management practices. <clears throat> Currently, there, there may have been a, a decrease in some of the food for eagles in uh, since we started. But, you know, I think there's a lot of changes now in terms of how we manage the landscape and the New government is uh, has suggested in the programme for government that they're going to try and manage the land. And, and um, there are challenges there for small farmers in the northwest and obviously elsewhere. Um, and maybe maybe the result of that will be a different type of management style that will be good for farm family incomes and also good for biodiversity. They were part and parcel of the landscape in this country. About a century ago, they went extinct. What caused that? Probably a range of issues. Um, maybe around the 1860s or so, there was a lot of um, sheep rearing introduced into Donegal, primarily for wool rather than meat at the time. Um, and maybe the shepherds, some of the shepherds were uh, brought over from Scotland and they may not have liked them. Um, there was shooting on some estates up in Donegal, so they might have poisoned and shot and trapped them. But funnily enough, it was probably... Um, towards, let me see, the end of the 19th century, the early part of the 21st century, that wildlife people at the time started to collect eggs and also people were keen for stuffed specimens. So, like, there was one um, taxidermist in Belfast, Shields, uh, there was James Shields and his son Alfred Shields, and they, for example, uh, stuffed eight golden eagles 
um, from Donegal. So, you know, there's various pressures and they became extinct in Donegal around 1912. They had one pair bred on Antrim in the 50s, but they kind of fizzled out. So they were extinct for more or less 100 years before they started to breed again in 2005 and they reared the first chick in 2007. It's a great story and they are such a majestic creature. They really are and it's good to hear that progress is being made and they're steadily increasing and breeding themselves. You mentioned, you know, you've had losses as well. Poisoning, you said, uh, being one example of an awful end to a creature that so many people are doing their best to re-establish. Where do you think that's coming from? Are are people afraid? Are, Are there people with interest perhaps in agriculture, uh, who don't like to see them return? I, I think the attitude towards Golden Eagles and Donegal has been uh, very positive. We've worked very closely with the IFA. They were supportive from the outset. Um, they spoke to a lot of Scottish farmers who are more familiar with the eagles and sheep rearing systems in Scotland uh, before we started. And basically they were told that the, the risk was minimal. We'd never say never. Uh, that they, they couldn't kill a sickly lamb after a day or two. But I think the response I've had from a lot of the hill farmers I meet in Donegal, they're actually happy to see the golden eagles because they've seen the hooded crow numbers locally drop and they've seen them take badger uh, badger and fox cubs. So the, the poisoning may have been used in the past to control crows and foxes. They may not have been left out uh, deliberately for right. golden eagles. And I think Nowadays, most people are using lawful methods to control uh, foxes or crows or protect their livestock. More people are lambing indoors. Um, But it's just one or two individuals uh, per county can do a lot of damage uh, for a rare bird like an eagle. You mentioned them being uh, stuffed and going to taxidermists in Belfast uh, many moons ago. Are they still a prized creature as a trophy, which is a shocking thing to say about any animal? Is that a danger as well? Or, you know, what else wildlife crime-wise threatens the golden eagle? I, I wouldn't think there's uh, the same interest in taxidermy. Obviously, there are some very good taxidermists in Ireland that do a wonderful job. Um, once they contain or obtain their specimens legally, I think... Um, you know, it's probably more unintentional consequences maybe by uh, land management uses. Uh, possibility it hasn't happened yet as far as we're aware that there could be recreational disturbance. I think most people would um, prefer to see an eagle flying freely. Uh, I know the visitor numbers in Glen Bay increased quite a lot after the Golden Eagle project and some people came to see eagles, some People came just to see where the eagles lived. Mm. So, you know, wildlife and our nature and our landscape can have uh, benefits for tourism and, you know, marketing effort. And I think it seems Hodge Ireland now are are very much aware of the potential that the national parks have for uh, tourism in Ireland. Mm. Oh, listen, it's uh, such an addition uh, to an area to have them and an attraction for people and a huge plus side there. You've um, thrown your lot in with the Partnership for Action Against Wildlife Crime, PAW Ireland. Tell us a little bit about this. And I know this app is coming uh, soon as well that will enable people to report wildlife crime. Yeah, it's it's an interesting... It's a loose umbrella group, so it won't uh, be... um, uh, defined entity, it won't have a bank account, it won't have a constitution. Mm. 
it's just a gathering of interest and it's not just uh, wildlife bodies we hope that uh, and interest has been expressed by other rural uh, organisations and representative bodies you know the Gardaí would be firmly of the opinion that rural crime and wildlife crime are linked and maybe the same individuals participating in both so the idea is um, our National Parks and Wildlife Service are under-resourced, maybe understaffed in some counties. And we'd be very careful in uh, the, the words we'd use. We'd uh, be reporting possible incidents of wildlife crime. It's up to the statutory authorities. This loose group will have no uh, involvement in law enforcement. That's really up to primarily the National Parks and Wildlife mm. Service, but also the Gardaí. But they could benefit from... You know, if people told them that there was an animal shot or poisoned in a certain area, they could react more quickly yes. and, and carry out their investigations. So it's really just trying to fine-tune and uh, um, quicken the pace of reporting. And, you know, as your previous piece just here at the start of the program, we were talking about the apps. You know, the apps are, they can be a little bit finicky because they might work one way on one phone and work a different way in a, a an iPhone, and um, so there'll be a few glitches like that to be ironed out. But it, it would give over time a national picture of if there's a particular hotspot in maybe um, uh, poisoning or uh, badger baiting or hair coarsening or people going after freshwater pearl mussel, you'd start to see these kind of clusters, and that might help the statutory authorities focus more resources on those particular areas. Keep up the great work, Larkin, and well done on that new wildlife crime prevention app. Nilo Hanrahan, who came through COVID-19, told me his story and how he really did self-isolate within his own home. I locked myself in the bedroom in the house for 12 days. I was really unwell, and I literally only left the room to go to the toilet. And did you text your wife when you were looking for grub? Is that a rumour or the truth? That's the truth. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but you know what I mean. No, but it... Jerry, Jerry, I, 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 I didn't eat for four days. I didn't sleep for three days. Because when, when I lay down, I couldn't breathe. So you were so really bad. I had to get a chair up into my room. And uh, when I did start eating... It was like eating cardboard. No taste? No taste at all. And you were, could I say, you had an awful time, I know, and it's still affecting you these weeks later. I know it's been a slow recovery path, but thank God, hospital or ventilation or anything that wasn't required. You you, you battled through? No, I, bat- I battled through it. When, because it was the early days, uh, HSE were, they, they, nobody knew. Mm. what to do, or I was referred for testing. When I got the call for testing, I said, no, my symptoms are gone, my sore throat, my cough, my temperature, uh, my breathing, everything is back to normal, so I don't need to go for testing. Okay, so you believe you battled over this yourself, but you had everything, the classic symptoms, all that's involved that they tell us with COVID. And, and thankfully, it didn't affect anybody else. You did really well, I have to say. I congratulate you to isolate in the house. Nobody else has been affected by this. I, I, I wouldn't leave the bedroom. I, I locked myself into the bedroom and I just didn't want any of the rest of the family to get affected. I have two sons living here at home. And I, I literally did text... Um, when I 
wanted food. Mm. No, you you did your job really well and I commend you on it. And thank God you've overed it and there wasn't hospitalisation. But here's the thing. You're known for having a little goatee of a beard. I, I reckon there was a little bit of growing done during this time. No, there was. I hadn't shaved at all. And I just decided when, when, when I was going through all of this, my uncle was going through cancer and, and palliative care just came to mind because palliative, they looked after my mum when she was going through her illness and my mum-in-law similarly. Mm. And I just said, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to let this thing grow. <laughs> and when we come out of lockdown, uh, this 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 beard will be big enough to be able to shave off, and maybe I can raise a few pound. And boy, you have raised a few pounds. And I do want to say that at times, and I'm sure you understand this, and the people involved. They're down a little bit the pecking order, the palliative care people, aren't they, as regards funding and support? They are not just down the pecking order. They are at the bottom of the pecking order. Um, Like, okay, yeah, oncology do a fantastic job, and the people in oncology are fantastic. Mm. The hospice, again, uh, Gary Kelly Centre in Drada, but palliative care very, very rarely get fundraising done. They don't even have their own fundraising page. Mm. That's why I had to set up a GoFundMe page. And you went and did this yourself. And we have to mention Karen Dundalk. Aren't they wonderful people there as oh, well? Yeah. I love oh, yeah, them. Absolutely. I love them to bits. The most brilliant people there as well, doing wonderful work behind the scenes. So you decided, in your time of illness, and you were unwell, this thought came to you. What, can I help somebody else through my illness? And you have really helped. So the shave-off happened. That was done a, f- a few days ago. How much is in the kitty so far? What have you raised? I've got uh, €1,510 in the GoFundMe. And in in cash donations, I reckon there's about another 400 So we'll say you have the guts at two grand at the minute for sure. That's certain. Yeah. yeah. Good man yourself. For a little thought and just something that uh, came to you. Uh, it's, It's fantastic. I congratulate you. Well done, Niall. No problem, Jerry. And I'll tell you what, it is... Really, for all the people, the, the whole team in palliative care, loud palliative care, mm. but not just for pal- loud palliative care. I want to raise awareness for palliative care throughout the country because I've had a lot of family in Carlow. My mom was originally from Carlow, and a lot of my aunts and uncles went through palliative care and you well, are now true. campaigning for this now on a national basis. I have to finish up. Just tell them, how can they support you? Where do they find out? Because you're still taking donations. Where? I'm still, I'm still taking donations. If, yep. you, if you go to GoFundMe, Loud Palliative Care. Lovely. Thank you, Jerry. Great stuff, Niall. Supporting palliative care through a difficult time in your own life. We conclude our look back this time round, revisiting an issue that should have been sorted. Yes, that rodent problem in trade of you. Homeowners Jenny Fagan and Sharon Starr join me on the show. Here's Jenny confirming that they've heard nothing from the Council, Irish Water or the HSE. Yeah, Jerry, we're getting the same. We're being passed from one to the other as well. Um, like, we clearly only want answers from somebody to say they're going to help us or they're going to do something. But like yourselves, it's going from one group 
to another group and going back and forth. It's like a game of table, uh, table tennis. It's just going over and back on the table with no answers. And it's really, really frustrating for all the residents here with us because we're all just getting really, really annoyed over it um, that we're not getting answers that we're asking for. And these rats have not gone away. And it's a particular problem in this cul-de-sac, we have to say, in trade of you. Yeah, there's a cul-de-sac here. There's about 30 houses in it. And, um, you know, it's a nice little quiet area. The kids out and play and, um, you know, no cars kind of speeding up and down at the main roads. And But we can't let our kids out to play. They can't even go out onto the little piece of green that's in front of their houses because of the rat situation. And if you do let your kids out, we have to sit and watch them from the garden. It's not on. I, I say this again. It, it really isn't on. Now, yesterday we spoke to Eastern Pest Control and uh, a very interesting conversation I had. And he was just saying to me that no matter what you people do around your homes and that, if the problem is coming from elsewhere, which it appears to be here, there's a bigger bigger issue involved. And he was talking about new bills, which is happening not far from where you are there, and the disturbance of rats who have a habitat there, they shift. And I'd say you're the beneficiary, sadly, from what's going on. And he, he said to me that, you know, really, uh, it, the council, you know, when planning permission is granted, should put a proviso in and dealing with a problem like this, because it's pushed elsewhere do you feel like from you know your what's happening there that the disturbance of the ground it's it's pointing towards that yeah possibly i mean obviously we don't know where the problem is coming from because nobody will actually go and look and see where the problem is coming from but we have the problem in our streets coming up the drains starting to go into homes from the drains like even on thursday um, one of the residents actually seen a rat on her balcony, which is just over the front door, but into a bedroom. And then since that has caught another one, um, the size of the shovel that you've you seen the problem with or the picture of on Saturday, mm. like they're, they're starting to run around, you know, and climb up the walls and all that. So like if we knew where the problem was coming from, yeah, we'd all have answers, but nobody's given us any answers, Jerry. That's the important thing. And it's a health and safety issue in our street for our children. Can I ask you this? Political representatives and and the sway that they have, the people you've elected in recent elections this year to represent you on Loud County Council, where are they in this issue? Well, we have got in contact with one of them at the minute and um, we're waiting to see if they'll bring it up to the, the council at their meetings and get an answer back. But, you know, like we were actually putting it in the paper this is our second time on the radio. Like, surely to God, our councillors are hearing these things and seeing these things in the paper. Can they not approach us and say, look, we, we'll try and help you? Why, if we have an issue with the council, why don't they come to us? Why can't they give us answers? We shouldn't have to keep chasing them and they can see black and white what's happening in a small little area in the town. Mm-hmm. But yes, if they wanted a vote, they'll come and they'll ask us, you know, and... But yet they won't do anything. Who, who are That's your local councillors? Who would you regard as the people you've elected to represent? You say names. Oh, look, there's a list of names that we could start. I mean, I, I'm not going to name any of them out in case I, you know, I leave somebody out or say the wrong names. But I, like, they know themselves, Jerry. They know who to come or who to contact. They've seen it in black and white and hear it on LMFM. I'm sure they listen to the radio. 
It's mm. our local radio station. They do. They do. They, they do. do pay attention, I have to say. But I don't know why this is falling on deaf ears. And I remember the statement from the council. They said they'd referred it to the HSE. So they kicked to touch, I have to say. Uh, yeah. And the HSE, Louise, has been ch- trying to chase in there today. And it's not proving easy, as as you know yourself. But No, and we've, we've even emailed um, Irish Water. We've got on to whoever we have ca- we are tried everywhere. All the, the houses in the estate, Irish Water, Laid County Council, and everyone is just, oh, it's not us, it's not us. It's, so who is it? Who is the one that's responsible to help us in this small community together? It has that's what we to, need to know. It has to be, honestly, it has to be uh, maybe one party or a combination of parties' responsibility. But what is not right is that children can't go out and play, that rats, as you say, in recent days are appearing in places they shouldn't be, and you're just at your wit's end here. And I'm appealing on your behalf. Maybe they don't listen. I, they do listen, and I know they're listening today. For the love of God, political people, please, Loud County Council, HSE, Irish Water, will somebody come and help these people in trade of you? Please, please, ASAP. Sharon Stars is beside you. Will, do you want to put her on to me there for a word? Yes, Jerry. Hello, Sharon. Nice to talk to you this afternoon. Uh, uh, you know, people are maybe thinking, oh, look, it's just an isolated incident here. But it's affecting. There are 30 houses and families affected here, Sharon, including your own. Exactly. All the houses just about. And they're all just coming up the drains, running in the yards, up the walls and into your house. I just think in 2020... This is just oh, totally just, unacceptable. Uh, you know, you're, you're afraid, you're, you're fearful for yourself and children and everybody's health. Exactly. And you can't have small kids coming up visiting you or anything now because if you've grandkids up, you can't let them out the back, you can't let them out the front. What is to pick up something? What is mm. to get bit by a rat? Hmm. Um, I think we have a response. Let me see from Irish Water. But just again, you've been, you've seen them. You, you've seen this firsthand. This is not a mirage or an apparition. These rats no, are real, and the numbers have really got out of hand, Sharon. These rats are the size of cats. I'm sure you've seen the latest picture. Mm. You know the, the, the big creatures. They are. I, I've oh, seen they them. Are. You know, I have seen them, that's for sure, you know. Um, let me see if I can have a look here. at uh, here, here. Here's the response. I have a response just in from our Louise from the HSE. Can I read it to you? It says, yes. the response is this. Under the Rats and Mice Destruction Act, there you are, Destruction Act 1919, the primary responsibility for keeping land free of rats and mice lies with the occupier. So they're pushing it back to you. The owners of any public land are responsible for arranging treatment of their own land. Irish Water have primary responsibility for the repair and maintenance of the public drainage system. Responsibility for bathing the public sewer system lies with Irish Water. So that's from the HSE. So they are now pointing the finger at the owners and the owners of any land in the vicinity and they're saying that Irish Water are responsible for bathing and maintaining the public drainage system if rats are coming from there. So here we go again. We're uh, all in, in, in a circle with nobody actually grabbing the... Well, they needn't pass it to the homeowners or the residents because they're coming up the drains and the drains don't belong to us. So you are saying, Sharon, again, as Carl said to me last week, as Jenny has indicated there, you have, as as homeowners, have done everything that has been asked of you people. Absolutely everything that wasn't even asked of us even. We're doing everything we can, but we can't stop them coming up the drains. They're coming up the drains. It's outside on the street. 
And where else are they going to go? Only into your home. Are, are you just totally frustrated? Do you feel helpless, lost, what? Well, put it this way, as I can say, we're totally pissed off. Wouldn't anyone be annoyed, Sharon, if you're being totally ignored? However, the following day, good news for the beleaguered residents. As Loud County Council and Irish Water arrived in trade of view with the experts from Rentokill, who'll hopefully deal with the problem once and for all. Ah, the enduring power of radio. That's it for the moment. We'll have more interesting conversations with great guests soon for you on our next podcast. In the meantime, do join us each afternoon for Late Lunch Live from 1.30 on your station, LMFM. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.